great news, Buggy fans. Shoot the shit is back. That's right, season two, with all new interviews from folks across the wide world of this sport of buggy that we all love. So strap in your safety harnesses, look for those shoot flags as we turn into another great round of buggy stories as we shoot the shit. Ah, <sighs> what's that smell? Is that wheels being treated? No, no, it's love. Yes, love is in the air. This week on Shoot the Shit, we sit down with three couples, all of whom met each other during their time in CIA. Uh, So we talked to them with some of the fun lovey-dovey stuff about their stories, uh, but it also kind of morphed into a telling of the resurgence of CIA since the late aughts. It turns out nothing really brings people together better than uh, attempting to run and build up a buggy team. So lots of fun stuff here, Uh, some life lessons, some buggy stories, all that good stuff you've come to expect and love here on Shoot the Shit. So without further ado, let's meet couple number one. This is Maria Sensi Selner and Brennan Selner. And Brennan Selner. (laughs) Took my line. Sorry. Yeah, we, we graduated in 2001. Uh, I was the chair for a couple of years. Maria was our, one of our bush captains. Um, I'm Aaron Gantz May, and this is my husband. Hi, I'm Alex May. Um, I was the chairman of CIA in 2009, graduated in 2010. And let's see, I was head mechanic between 2008 and 2009, and uh, I have an undergrad degree from mechanical engineering in 2009 and a master's in robotics 2010. All right. My name is Kellen Chow. Uh, I was involved with CIA Buggy from 2010 through 2013. Uh, I did not have a fancy title. The only title I had was Honorary Alex May, uh, and I can go into that (laughs) later on. Uh, and I am Alex Chow, formerly Alex Miklos. Um, I did buggy for, with CIA from 2013 to 2015. Um, I was a push captain and then I was chair uh, in 2015. Awesome. And also, cool. actually, an also honorary Alex May. That's right. <laughs> if you're an honorary Alex May, I don't think you need another title. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Excited to dig into that. So uh, we will get to that. Remind me if, if I forget later on. And I wonder, I, I know probably across organizations, it feels like this is in general, CIA has a lot of couple energy. I don't know if that's something about the uh, culture there or not. We can maybe get into that at some point as well. But, you know, let's let's go ahead and uh, talk about some of that magic, I guess. Um, Sellers, if, if y'all want to kick things off, just talk a little bit about, you know, how you got the buggy, how you met each other. Well, I kind of avoided buggy for years. Well, Larry stole your social security number. That's true. Um, Larry Greenfield, <laughs> Larry Greenfield stole my social security number and I was on a roster before I was actually on, that's when, that's what you used. Because we need more alternates than we had people. But so. I don't think they use social security numbers anymore, Brandon. I think there's different back numbers, but did. back then they actually used social security numbers. Um, I was uh, really good friends and classmates with, uh, with the buggy driver, uh, but Michelle Unger uh, did drive for CIA and, uh, and that is actually how I, how I met Brennan. We had been in the Guilty Band together for, oh, for, um, for about a year and a half 
uh, and I was not very interested in anything that would that had me waking up at those hours ever. Still not really, but well, I so sort of got sucked in. But uh, yeah, then I I found myself in a truck on Brennan's birthday, which was almost always during Carnival, and it was of course raining, so there were no there were no races, but there was a cake who may have actually been wearing this same ace bandage on his wrist. That's entirely possible. That is now on my sprained ankle. So um, it all comes full circle. That's a different story, though, involving <laughs> a sprained wrist, a manual 24-foot uh, U-Haul, and people that haven't slept enough. That is also a buggy story, though. It's a buggy story, but yeah, not, a, co- not, not a couple story. story. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the first time you really hit it off, was actually the back of the truck. I think that's kind of how I got to the I mean, hanging out with the buggy team. I wasn't on the buggy team, but but I, I was there. Then I found myself waking up early and going to buggy. I don't know. <laughs> so so you were an alternate for that race day, just showed up for the cake or whatever. I didn't know I was on a list until after the fact. And when you say, sorry, the whole social security thing, because that's still going like rather than like an Andrew ID or whatever. I yeah. think our social security number was on the- on No, our social security number was our Andrew number. Was our Andrew number. In 2006. That was still true in 2006. My ID number was my social security number. And I'm like, isn't this like a bad idea? Oh, wow. I don't know if it changed during the time I was there. Um, I can't remember that, but I know originally it was my social security number. Yeah, I, by 2008, that's that has changed. But I should stop giving my social security number to CIA, I guess. <laughs> It definitely changed. I did some years in. Uh, we we did talk about degrees. We have a stupid a, a stupid number of degrees from Carnegie Mellon. Uh, but through through my grad my second round of of graduate school at, at CMU, definitely my my social security number was no, no longer on my ID. It is a good story, and it is also true, which is that is fascinating. I, I did do some pushing though. Only ever Hill three, and I always felt like I was going to vomit afterwards. So. Mostly I, mostly I had times in a spreadsheet and a stopwatch that was much more. We shoved in a buggy for push practice once, but you were not happy. I was very difficult in push practice. I couldn't, I couldn't feel my shoulders. They stopped asking me to drive push practice because I was a giant pain in the rear to have. Also (laughs) in pain. We may have been a a little bit difficult. And I only fit in stealth. So got pulled deeper, deeper down the, the, the buggy rabbit hole, if you will. Cool. I guess let's let's jump to the maze, get their uh, intro now. Let's see. So uh, I got involved in buggy almost before freshman year. I actually uh, did a college visit with one of my high school friends, um, Aaron Johnson, who is now a professor of mechanical engineering at CMU. He introduced me to the idea of buggy as well as the robotics club actually told me kind of an interesting thing like okay you know if you don't want to hang out hang out with the fraternities at all um, and you want to do buggy you should join an independent you should join uh, STC if you want to win uh, <laughs> CIA if you want to have fun and fringe if you kind of want to do a little bit of both <laughs> and uh, I guess I looked more seriously into CIA buggy during freshman year when a bunch of my hallmates in Donner Dungeon wanted to try starting their own buggy team for some reason. And uh, I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll at least see what it takes to uh, to get one going. And they never really got serious, but uh, CIA was serious enough and fun enough for me. So 
being one of very few freshman mechanics, I got to get my hands on a lot of stuff really early on. Let's see, I met Sean Kelly, Storm Walden, trying to think of other people I need to name drop here that like really helped me stick around through the first year of Buggy. Yeah, it was, it was uh, pretty interesting. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm a year younger. So I, I think, so I remember distinctly seeing a picture of Buggy in one of the things that they, CMU sent me and I was intrigued by it. And I was especially intrigued with driving and I am of a petite build, but I am five foot five. So CIA was the only team that had a long enough buggy that I could drive. Um, and I did fit in Firebird, um, but we didn't actually discover this until my junior year because I had to be wearing leggings and not jeans. <laughs> so I just barely fit in. So that's, yeah, not too much extra margin. Yeah, I didn't have any extra room at all, but Firebird was retrofitted with a dropping push bar. So it actually um, made more sense for Firebird to have a taller driver because with a shorter driver, it got really wiggly in the back and it would often fishtail in the chute. So the taller drivers did better in Firebird. Um, but anyway, CIA was my best chance at driving. So, and I just showed up and started doing stuff and it was actually, um, one of the other people who showed up with me, uh, Natalie Strait, um, her married name is McGuire. She and I became really close friends. And at some point you confided in her, this was my sophomore year, you confided in her that you really, really, really liked me. Yeah. And she needed to help make this happen. And sort of similar to Brennan and Maria though, we were also going to church together. Yeah, we did go to church together. <laughs> Because um, you could go to the Saturday night mass before rolls. We were on a very similar or, schedule. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, but or after rolls if you really needed to push it. You also didn't get a lot of sleep. No. So I felt sorry for you because you'd sit in church and fall asleep. My soul is already in the keeping. <laughs> you, uh, you would like nudge me away and be like, hey, you know. Wake up. Family support here. <laughs> yeah. And so um, we dated then starting sophomore year. My sophomore Your year. Sophomore year. I initially didn't want to distract anybody on the team. The team was super small and I didn't want anybody to be like, ooh, they're in a relationship. I just didn't want that distraction. <laughs> so we didn't tell anybody until after race day. Was that the deal? It seemed like a really yeah, big I, deal at the time, but it's- You made a pretty big deal out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we dated and he proposed shortly before I graduated. Which was a couple of years later, which is an eternity in undergraduate. <laughs> <laughs> was the uh, a couple of follow-up questions? One, because you said it was through your friend Natalie. Was there any like massive machination, or was it just like just go ask her, dude? At the time, she actually had several suitors uh, lined up. We were all like, I don't know, just after the 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 cute petite blonde. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it was like oh wow you know like I, I really uh really enjoy her company and I I want to you know try dating for the first time I you know being a, a wonderful nerd that I am uh waited until my junior year to, to even ask a girl out properly also see it looks like on the other screen Brennan blushing I don't know if that was also the case over there and who also attended you I'm sure is also a nerd <laughs> I mean whatever we all went to see if you I'm not uh, making any claims about myself 
the other question, the hiding it from the team, was that hard? Did you feel like you were living like secret lives? It might be hard to conceal something like that. During a push practice, we push practices got a little rowdy. I think they're a lot calmer now, but we used to like shout and hoop and holler and things would get out of control and and um, Campus there'd be escort shuttles. Yeah. And anyway, during something happened during a, a, a push practice and a buggy got away from it uh, from another team. We were rotating with them and she was about to go flying into one of the wooden barricades that we had set up to demarcate the hills. And I threw the barricade up in the air and it came down and landed on my foot. And I actually broke a bone in my foot during push practice that year. And so I was on crutches and everything, but I had a lofted bed in my dorm room and it was very hard to get in and out of bed. And so Alex would actually come over and lift me out of my bed and... So it was you know how you used to be able to double dip the door so they weren't locked. Yeah. Come in and he would wake me up and he would try not to wake my roommate up and he would lift me out of my lofted bed so I could go and do buggy stuff. And it was really sweet of him. And so I think people suspected something, but they also saw that he was just like helping me with a lot of stuff. And so it was kind of normal for me to be with him and it, like I said, people probably suspected it, but we just didn't want to make a thing out of it. We wanted to have the best chance possible at, at doing well that year. And at the time, it was a really small team and we had all old buggies and we needed every <laughs> help we could get. Uh, let's go ahead and throw it over to the chaps now. <laughs> get their story. Oh, man. Okay. So, um, I'm glad that the CIA Kilty Band connection is still there. I joined CIA because of Kilty Band, but not till my junior year, which was the 2010 to 2011 race day. And uh, I joined because I knew a lot of people in Kilty, namely Jerry Carlson. We'll get back to Jerry Carlson in a sec. Uh, he's very important in our story, but Alex uh, was not a CMU student. No. So I actually started my undergrad at Chatham University right down the street. And the reason I was going there was because I was doing a 3-2 program. So I'd do three years at Chatham and get a math degree and then transfer to CMU and do two years and get an engineering degree. But while I was at Chatham, I was taking one class per semester at CMU. And they had like a little shuttle that would take me back and forth every day. And so on my first day of college, literally before Chatham started classes, CMU started a week early. I'm walking around campus trying to find where to go. And I sit down in class in my very first like intro to Mecky. And Jerry Carlson sits beside me and is like, hello, my name's Jerry. How are you? And... From then, we just had a connection. We were in all classes together. He really made sure to include me and was super nice considering I was a transfer. And I feel like CMU, you kind of like find your group of friends and you have all the same classes. So you're all like doing your homework together and learning things together. And like Jerry always kept me in mind and kept me uh, in his little group of friends, which happened to be CIA. Um, so when I transferred to CMU uh, to do my last two years of undergrad, uh, Jerry saw me on campus and was like, oh, you're here, you have to join Buggy, and pulled me into CIA that way. Uh, 
So then that's why I joined CIA. Yep. So we really credit slash blame Jerry Carlson for introducing us. He said, hey, we have a, a new pusher. She's really fast. Uh, this is Alex Miklos. Um, and uh, Kellen, can you show her around and show her how to mechanic stuff and how to push and do everything? So, so it's all Jerry's fault. It's all Jerry's <laughs> fault. Um, and we got married back in 2018 and we invited Jerry to come finish the job that he started. So he was actually the officiant at our wedding <laughs> um, here in Seattle. So yeah, uh, Jerry, if you're listening, it's all your fault. And <laughs> thank you. <laughs> add him to the special thanks. Uh, no, no secrets from y'all, though, in terms of... Uh, no, um, I think once uh, Alex joined, uh, it was... Uh, we, we all were kind of like, oh, there's a new girl on the team, and a lot of us were kind of interested. I definitely felt the attention, um, but yeah. Of all the guys to hit on you, I think I was the most well-rounded? <laughs> sure. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, um, it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I will say you were the only one that actually asked me out. Yes. So. Um, yeah, and I would, I would do stupid things like, hey, you want to come to garage hours? But the garage hours are just me and her, and we ended up just going to Dave and mm -hmm. Andy's to get ice cream or something like that. So it was smooth. It was all a ploy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but got you hooked on buggy anyway. That's so right. It worked out. Um, actually, I think. Uh, in my freshman year, one of uh, I was in the baritone section, euphonium section in Kilty Band. One of the other people, yeah, low brass. Uh, one of the other people um, was in SDC, so I almost ended up pushing for SDC just because he's like, hey, you know, come come join SDC. And I think oh, you, that, yeah, that yeah. happened to me too. Somebody uh, was in my classes once I transferred was in SDC, so I was like, kind of chatting with them about joining, but like wasn't quite sure, and then. Jerry was like, no, you can't join SDC. You have to join CIA. <laughs> so in an alternate universe with the couples of SDC podcasts, maybe we'd still be on it. But you know. <laughs> Is it anything for all of you throughout your experience you felt like being in a buggy couple on a team like affected things positively or negatively? Were there some things that are better to experience in, in that lens or worse or conflict or did Buggy ever put strains on the relationship because it puts on strains on everything? I will say I was I was chairman uh, during my master's year and Kellen had already graduated and so I definitely would come from meetings and like bitch out everybody because I was so tired of all their crap that they were trying to pull. So I definitely used him as like a backing board, but I'm sure he was tired of hearing it and so ready for me not to be chair anymore. Well, I had graduated uh, for two years previous to that. So I was just like, huh, sucks. Um, yeah, I like I knew everything she was talking about and could empathize, but I, again, wasn't the chair or lead anything. So I was just kind of like, yeah, yeah. I hear chairman's meeting sucks. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, Alex and I were kind of talking about this last night, um, kind of getting our answers ready. <laughs> <laughs> we were comparing notes and, um, you know, I was, I was chair and he was head mechanic at the same time. So it definitely helped us to be on the same page. And, 
you know, while the team wasn't huge at the time, what do we think it was? Like 30 people? Think, yeah, it was like 30 people. Minus we, like, the random people yeah. we recruited, like, right before Barring, race yeah, day. Yeah, like, the two weeks before race day where you'd, like, try and round out all the teams. And um, it was, yeah. like, hurting, hurting cats. At one point, I came to Newhouse. It was Newhouse at Stever now. And there was just this giant pile of expanding foam on the sidewalk outside the door and I looked at it and I immediately knew that my team was the one responsible for that and I it probably was an SDC or, or spirit. yeah <laughs> I knew that we were responsible for that pile of fresh expanding foam on the sidewalk that it was really stuck there and that we needed to do that I needed to go in and do something about it but I could talk to Alex first and be like yo who did this you know was it an accident like and we then could... I'd be like well that was pretty definitely Ben Matsky <laughs> working in the garage by himself <laughs> so and I forget what had actually happened I think, that, I think something? that he was working on like either the the buggy um uh, mold or like a mold for a fairing that we were experimenting with but then like the nozzle to the great stuff brand expanding foam like popped off and he couldn't stop it <laughs> so he tried to like pour put a put a dixie cup over it or something and that didn't <laughs> he just runs outside and just dumps the whole mess in front of the, the garage door for it to you know finish and then he could chip off the whatever residue it was and throw it in the dumpster <laughs> but that that was that was nearly nearly constant so just a, on a, a, team... a cubic foot of foam <laughs> <laughs> on a team where we were trying to recruit people. We had not built a buggy. What was our newest buggy? Our newest buggy was Firebird, Firebird which was 2005. 2004. 2004, I think it was built and it officially raced in 2005. We had a lot of goals, so it really helped that by our many, many conversations outside of official buggy communication, we could kind of get on the same page. But I, I do remember we, we did make a big deal out of, okay, you know, if we're going to date, we're going to make sure that whatever we do personally is, you know, not going to affect how the team does. And like if, if uh, you know, we're having a fight or if we, God forbid, split up or something, um, we're not going to uh, be unprofessional about it and, you know, make the, the team do badly because we, I, I felt at least responsible for, a lot of the team's direction and morale, at least as it came to like the, the little juicy core of membership that we had. And I didn't want to, uh, you know, to take a hobby that everybody loved and you know, make it difficult. That was, that was a big part of that. I hear you about the herding cats. I used to have a devil of a time with people not reading the emails. So I started hiding like random phrases in there. And the first person to reply with the random phrase got a candy bar at the next rolls. That actually worked reasonably well. <laughs> it's nothing to do with you know our relationship, but <laughs> although I have to say, not only do I feel kind of old, but also gratified listening to everybody else talk about how CIA grew and evolved. Um, because I think when we were involved, it was only about two years after um, CIA had ceased to exist. Um, and so it was so you know Larry stealing my social security number was actually a thing that needed to, they, needed they, to they needed a they needed a person on the roster and well because at least then uh the deal was that you can only add one team per like men and women per year 
So if you want to be able to have the chance of having, I think in that case, you want to be able to have a shot at having a C team the year after, which meant you needed a B team and you needed all the alternates for the B team, no matter where they come from or who, who they are or if they show up for race day. If, yeah, if I had been called to actually do something on, on that on that race day, who knows? But but uh, I think we we also didn't we were not so concerned about um, about secrecy. I feel like um, I only dated Brennan, but I feel like a lot of people dated each other. Um, it was also very small team, and I'm not going to name any names, but I'm, <clears throat> certain people I think dated multiple people, and and still managed to, uh, you know, we, at that point we were not so con concerned about that. We had goals, and 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 we had we just wanted to do better than we than we had done before. Which to be clear was not hard. Which was not that hard because very shortly it was you know we hadn't existed for that long, so we also hadn't built hadn't really built a buggy. Um, we go back to the days of, of uh, Mirage. Uh, Mirage was the new buggy. Yeah, it was Conquest um, and Stealth. Shafiq built Mirage while we were, were there and, and we were running, rolling um, Stealth and, and Conquest um, and, until then. The, the ironic thing, well, one of the ironic things about the Mirage build, not to talk about the mechanic details, but there was a fair amount of carbon fiber involved. And Michelle, who you know, was the catalyst for us meeting, uh, was a driver, but also a mechanic. Mm -hmm. And she was also allergic to carbon fiber. So she did a lot of carbon fiber work and had a lot of hives, no matter how many gloves you wear. And it was all, it was all covered. It, I, re I remember that there was yeah. a, yeah, everything was, everything was well covered so that we could minimize her allergic reaction. But yeah, I think, you know, our relationship didn't really screw anything up. Obviously we're still together. Probably I would, I wouldn't have come anywhere close to Buggy. If, <laughs> that's, that's the truth of the matter. She's an idol. <laughs> I think one thread I'm interested in pulling on that we kind of talked on here is sort of just like CIA, a little bit of its evolution and like its culture. Because I think it's one of those teams, you know, now it is sort of a stalwart independent in sort of its own way. But you mentioned, right, I think all of y'all were sort of at phases of like trying to rebuild. Um, but it seems like throughout that, like it's also had a really strong cultural consistency but I guess just kind of free form, feel free to kind of ping pong around just sort of like the mission and the culture and like how y'all saw that evolving across your time and sort of anything regarding that for, for CIA. Yeah, that was definitely a, a big draw is like, hey, we, we really have fun here. Uh, when I joined in 2010, it, it felt like, you know, breaking into a very close knit group of friends, but everybody was super welcoming and inviting. They said, hey, come uh, to Half Price and Fuel and Fuddle and we'll just hang out. Like, you don't even need to do buggy. Just just come hang out with us. And actually, I'm remembering now it was Alex and Aaron that I sat next to in that very first Fuel and Fuddle. So thank you for being so incredibly welcoming. I, I just immediately felt like one of the crew. And I feel like that's continued even beyond mm -hmm. uh, Alex's years yeah i would say when when i was recruited it was definitely like okay we want to do buggy and try and do as best as we can but like we're gonna have fun doing it if we're not having fun we're that we're not doing this right um and mm -hmm. that that was a big part of the culture of cia and i i hope it still is i was i tried to instill that um one of the things i also tried to instill while i was there was like we want to win like we want to have fun but we want to win too <laughs> and so that was a big thing while i was chair and you did. And I did. Yeah. yeah. We won women's Race that year. Day 15. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
well, for us, we wanted to uh, to win, but mostly we're like, well, we need to at least do better because our team was maybe at a, at a critical point where it could easily have declined into nothingness. Like there was, again, that, that juicy little core membership, but, you know, as far as rapid expansion, there was always that last minute drive to increase the team right before race day. Quick question for, for uh, the Chows. Mm-hmm. Do you know why we went to half price on Wednesday nights? Oh, I don't know. Did they only have half price on Wednesday nights? Or? You guys did it for years. And it was because Alex, Natalie, and I had calligraphy on Wednesday nights. And it ended at like 8 or 8.30. And we were like, tonight is the night for Buttle because we're already awake and we've already gone to class until late. And that's why we went. But up until like 2017 or 2018, they went to Pool and Fuddle on Wednesdays. And it was all because that had been our schedule in 2009. That's hilarious. Yeah, I had no idea. We just went on Wednesdays. (laughs) So if you didn't know the half price, Fuel and Fuddle is after 10 p.m. A lot of the menu items are half price. And so CIA would make a habit of meeting at the the black chairs in the UC at 9 p.m. and all kind of moseying on over together. We had a record of like 32 people once and took over that whole downstairs of Feel and Fuddle at one point. I will say that was the one great thing about CIA is like you you came in and like everybody just was like, hey, want to join us? Like we're doing this fun thing and this thing. And CIA made sure to have activities all throughout the year. So it wasn't it wasn't just buggy time. It was okay, buggy for now. And then we'll have some fun things peppered in throughout the year. And we tried really really hard for that we invented for a few we we were just things. yeah we just made stuff up uh land for was after the xkcd comic yeah the suit race suit race what? i started that oh. i started the suit race as a d team we we did have d team or c teams and d teams uh the years that i participated and at one point i just floated the idea you know like we're probably not gonna do better than three minutes guys Let's make this interesting. <laughs> I started putting on a slacks, a dress shirt, and a tie, and uh, and pushing L one. Then uh, yeah, shortly after, I think all the mechanics uh, were on board with this because you know we were the ones fleshing out uh, D team at the time and chemical. And now they're- I didn't realize you started that. There was yeah. a predecessor to that too, right? So back in two thousand two thousand one, Hans was one of our mechanics without telling anybody he was our i can't remember maybe c team uh hill one and he just showed up in a suit but he got like the one of the stripper kinds um <laughs> so you know he showed up in the suit with sunglasses and everything and at i don't know like five seconds or something like that he ripped the whole thing off threw it away and then did hill one he wasn't naked thankfully hans is also one of, one of the few people i know who got arrested for buggy yes oh my that's a matter of public record. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there were a couple, a couple folks who, because um, uh, parking meter bags were our chore for a very long time. They decided it would be fun to take all the torn bags, tape them together, and bag the monument. <laughs> the, the problem was that, you know, this was my senior year. We didn't officially approve of this, so you know, I officially didn't know anything about it. They failed to properly plan the logistics, so they had the giant bag they didn't do the math about how tall the monument was and didn't bring along enough stick. So <laughs> there were three of them, I think, involved. Mm-hmm. One, was one was underage. One was underage. 
they, they sent her back up to the truck to get one of the, the flags. So as a result, there were two of them and a giant bag sitting on the monument for like 10 minutes waiting for her to run up there, get a flag and run back. And that's not, that's not university property. So it's that not. was, that was the real police. Yeah. So somebody called the cops, you know, as they were driving <laughs> past at, you know, oh God, oh, 30 in the morning, because this is, it was probably like 3 a.m. race day or something like that. Something ridiculous. Um, and the, clearly there was nothing going on because it showed there was like nine cop, cop cars, but like nine patrol cars, a paddy boring. wagon, yeah. and like a whole pass while seeing you cop just standing there laughing at us. So you were not there. So not I was us. not there. Well, no, <laughs> at, at them. <laughs> at sorry, them. At them. <laughs> so the, the underage person with the, with the flag was coming back, and like saw, she, saw she, the cops, like hit the ground and like, she was smart enough away. to not to, to stay to stay away but uh and got me and i ended up going down there and yeah but yeah so that we had two people get arrested race day morning wow. because they were insufficiently well planned it was a it was a valiant attempt but did not work out well it has nothing to do with our relationship but. that's okay that's why we do this podcast oh my god what <laughs> I was going to throw in that uh, before you took that little tangent there, oh, sorry. Um, I'm usually the tangent queen, so that's, that's fine. Uh, the goal of winning, like when we, we came back from not existing at all, so I don't think we had any delusions about winning. We were more about survival. We were, it was, it was about doing better than we had. Um, every once in a while, we would, we would snag a pusher that was actually really fantastic, and we... What do we call Jorge? Like, we memorized his number, but we didn't know his name. No, that wasn't was it, wasn't the, Jorge. No, no, you're right. He got them. There was some. There, were, we, there was somebody who we did. Yeah, like we ran into them on the cut, and <laughs> and they convinced them to push, but we never actually got their name. But we got their like dorm extension. We so, yeah, there was so a number that was memorized for the next year. They were uh, nine nine one four two person guy. But I but I do have to say that I think it was I, I think it was our senior year that CIA won Spirit of Buggy, and that was actually a huge deal that was almost better than winning we got a thing especially for you know the um everybody involved you know we've mentioned michelle and shafiq and, and larry and and uh, you know we can get, reach out to um long necker and, and and all those guys who who kind of helped to to build some um, inertia and momentum uh, for the organization because you know when they were when they were stealing those security numbers there wasn't a guarantee that CIA was going to exist from year to year um, so it's really it's really heartening to see like look the goal was then winning <laughs> um, and and I think our predecessor to your um, half price at Fuel and Fuddle was that uh, Larry used to live on Techview Terrace actually Brennan had to be chair because Larry made the switch from being a student to being staff and he had been the chair. Um, yeah, which is how I ended up being chair junior year because there was nobody else to do it. There was nobody else to do it. Um, but he would, we would, after, after rolls, we would go to Larry's house and make pancakes. And that was sort of like the social thing. We just would pile into his living room and there was some sort of video game usually. And, and there was chocolate chip pancakes that somebody would make. And that was kind of the, <laughs> as you're all talking about feeling fun, I'm like, that's, that's the successor to pancakes at Larry's house. <laughs> Wait, so is that where pancaking came from? <laughs> oh, is that a thing? It's still a, <laughs> that's yeah. so exciting. Well, I don't know if it still is, yeah. but uh, it better be. Yeah. Oh, Friday. Was it Friday? I don't know what day, right. yeah, but just... we'd go uh, and make pancakes <laughs> on, um, by the, by the fence. Yeah. Chocolate chip pancakes. Yeah. Chocolate chip pancakes by the yes. fence. Yeah. We, we started that. <laughs> 
at Larry's house in 2000. <laughs> so many traditions. 21 years ago. The house on uh, on Wilkins Ave that Dan Fernandez lived in yeah. forever. Um, he would host kind of an after rolls breakfast, watch a movie and hang out thing, take a nap on the couch, whatever. And, um, and you couldn't be messed with if you got your shoes off, I think. But uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, they would do they would do uh, chocolate chip pancakes, and then um, at some point, uh, some of us decided it'd be a good idea to um, get a griddle that was less old, and do this on campus as uh, maybe a, an advertising thing to kind of again grow the membership in a fun way, and um, just hand out floppy chocolate chip cookie like things uh, in the middle of campus. <laughs> Dan overlapped our time, so and, and Larry then eventually uh, took a job at Google, and you know that that house was no longer. So I think we went from TechView to to yeah. Wilkins. That was the progression. And we now live about three blocks from there. Yeah, we're but, not so far away. Like another post rolls thing that uh, turned into something else was the ditch between QED and the Morewood lot, which I guess now not a thing because of whatever the heck that quad thingy is. Um, but one day, one day after rolls, rolls got canceled because it's raining, and we always cut through that ditch. Like there was a bunch of us that lived on Clyde Street, and you know back and uh, Mary Bell Apartments, whatever the tower thing was, Cathedral Mansions. Cathedral Mansions. Catman. Catman. And but there was a, like a pile of stone and other crap that CMU had left like back by the ditch. So like one one morning after you know rolls got canceled at the last minute, so all the bushes and everything were there. We were like, ah, what the hell? We're not doing anything. Um, and I think Jorge you know, checked the first rock down there and we'd like made a pathway through there. Um, and it was either the year after that or the year after that, that um, Civi did their little project to build, build a little bridge uh, back there. So we always took the credit for that one uh, in terms of, you know, like we, we laid the first stones that turned into this little Civi QED bridge. So you didn't have to walk through the mud anymore. It was great. Yeah, <laughs> the mud sucked. One question I have about CIA, because I know because there is this whole social side. And I think they did stuff maybe like the capture the flags with stuff. Was that CIA? Like, is there structural organization outside of the buggy side? There's not like a CIA president who oversees blah, blah, blah. It's like buggy is not. No. Uh, it's, there grew to be a social chair. Yes, there's a social <laughs> chair, but generally that person is in charge of parties. Um, unlike some of the other buggy organizations like SDC, the chairman is the head of CIA. So anything that would pertain to the running of the organization outside of Buggy, which honestly would not be too much. I believe somewhere, and Brennan is probably better equipped to answer this, somewhere there is a link between KGB and CIA, but I don't know if they made that up because KGB makes a lot of stuff up. Um, <laughs> yeah, CIA predates KGB. Uh, and depending on who you ask, you know, KGB might have been formed by an unrelated group that thought it was funny to have a KGB to a CIA. Yeah, that's the sorry that we've heard, mm -hmm. I think. Um, so all the capture the flag and stuff, I think that's KGB. That's KGB. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, all so they would, I think they would do all the booth stuff and then we would be the buggy side. And that's kind of the split when when we were there. Yeah. yeah we're basically a buggy team that did stuff. I think it started as early as in 2007, 2008. We knew we wanted to grow the team. So we had to basically make up a bunch of recruitment events where we, like we had always had 
parties. We had Club Wilkins where we had parties, but I wasn't really a partier. So I needed other, you know, I knew that other people were possibly looking for that, that type of thing. So we had just made up stuff. We made up off price night, which a lot of organizations did to recruit people. Um, we had a water balloon fight with Fringe, except I don't think we told Fringe. <laughs> but I think we had something like four times as many balloons. Yeah. So Might have brought a certain surgical tubing slingshot. So CIA <laughs> does have <laughs> CIA does have secrets, but not the buggy kind. Yep. <laughs> no anymore. Yes, we don't know anything. And I, I think the, the dropping push bar stuff is all more or less public knowledge now. If you play a shoot the shit season two drinking game, dropping push bar just keeps coming up. Uh, so I do think an oral history of the rise and fall of the dropping push bar is, is in order. At... Pun intended. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I guess winding a little more into just like general buggy memories. I don't know if there's like any particularly exciting race day stories or anything like that. At the time that CIA helped, uh, let, let me get the whole chain right. SDC essentially paid for one of our pushers because uh, we, yeah, exactly. Um, so we helped push start their truck. It stalled out. So the CIA push team happened to be handy. So we helped them put, you know, get the truck rolling enough to, you know, catch. They paid us back with a bottle of Kahlua. We in turn bribed the pushers that we needed for race day with said bottle of Kahlua. It was somebody's roommate. It was somebody's roommate who really didn't want to push, but would push like two days in exchange for a bottle of Kahlua. The other truck story is that Shafiq, Shafiq who was our head mechanic, was supposed to pick up the truck uh, for race day, which is, you know, the biggest U-Haul you can get. We hadn't graduated to the fancy tents and stuff people are using now. The problem was he hadn't slept for about three days. So like the, the morning we were supposed to pick up the truck, we decided we really shouldn't allow Shafiq to drive the truck. But everybody except me had a class. So I had to go do it. The problem was that, well, I'm not terribly coordinated. So I had been pushing Hill 5 in roles, I think, I don't know, it was the weekend before, the two weeks since before. And I had uh, managed to, you know, the front half of me got faster than the bottom half of me and, you know, took a tumble, uh, sprained my right wrist pretty badly. And so I drew, grew up driving stick. Um, and this is, you know, before U-Haul switched to automatic. So the 24 foot truck was a stick. First two gears basically didn't exist, but they didn't tell us that. So, you know, second gear would maybe get you to 10 miles an hour. But yeah, so I got drafted to go dr drive the truck because I was the only person who was awake and not in glass. Um, but it was basically one-handed. Yeah, in the wrong hand, you know, for, right for a manual truck. So, and I'd never driven anything bigger than a minivan. And I had never driven in Pittsburgh at all prior to that. And he's from the middle of nowhere, Minnesota. Where the roads are quite wide and very straight. <laughs> so yeah, that was a challenge. So the, I mean, Chavit came with me because he felt guilty, but you know. He wasn't very useful. He was barely coherent. Um, and so we, we managed to get the truck you know, home. It took, I think a lot of people were very unhappy with us because we didn't move very fast. So it's to second gear. Supposed to get you up to 20 miles an hour or so much and the whole like shifting with the left hand we stalled, stalled out a few times we managed to not hit anything that happened next year uh but uh yeah that was a challenge he's and got then, he's got, ironically we started a performing arts nonprofit where we don't rent that big of a truck anymore but brendan is now very adept at backing a u-haul into our driveway many years later 
trying to imagine you taking a Pittsburgh left with a U-Haul that doesn't go past 10 miles an hour. <laughs> I would like to hear the story from the perspective of the Chows of the 2015 race day because that was the first real time that both of our teams, both of our A teams, and I think a couple of the, at least one of the B teams. Women's B, both B teams made it to the final round. And so that was the turning point. So I think that was a, a really great racing memory that I want to hear from their perspective. I don't even know where to start. So that was the year that I was chair. We had about 50 members and then we were still like trying to get enough pushers but yeah I like I said earlier I really was trying to instill that like we want to win and we can do it uh our times were close we had really good buggies um and it was just kind of finding that right combination of pushers to make a difference um so we really pushed hard on trying to get more people that were athletic to join CIA which uh previous to I don't know, me joining, I think it was a little bit different. There weren't as many athletes that were joining CIA, but um, yeah, we just like a lot of time went into design, a lot of time went into recruiting and we pushed really hard. But one of my favorite things about that race day was we showed up Friday morning and parked our truck and uh, SDC puts a clown head on top of their car or on top of their truck. And my understanding is they point it at whoever they think uh, that is their biggest competition that year and it was pointed at us um but yeah it was just mind-blowing that both women's a and men or women's a and b and men's a and b both made it to finals it was crazy and that was something Excellent. amazing for us because like brennan mentioned you know previous to that we had been always hoping for spirit of buggy or chairman's choice or the, the t-shirt award <laughs> <laughs> Those were the things we wanted to win. I'm not a super competitive person, but I wanted to do something during my time in college. I wanted to enjoy this hobby to the fullest and I couldn't enjoy it to the fullest if I didn't have enough people to do it. So that was where we had started from. And to see that come to fruition, to see this, you know, I, I believe that was one of the first years that we had a buggy that was built for a driver. We had Renaissance was built for Emory, but that was not going to be that was not going to be a winning buggy. That was that was a, a like a very motivated push by myself and the the small crew of mechanics to take us from the era of the last remaining frame and shell buggies on the course to a completely composite buggy in a more monocoque theme, <laughs> and it was uh, very educational. Some mistakes were made, <laughs> uh, a lot of good things came from it. We had, uh, we started our building program and they built every year after that for yes. many, many what, years. What we had surmised was that in order to get good at building buggies, you had to build a few bad ones. Yeah. And in order to build a few bad ones, you needed to give yourself the chance to build a few bad ones, which means you needed to build every year. We figured a couple other things out in terms of organization management and um, we had, we still had a lot of chores to divide up. They, they have way more chores now, oh, yeah. but you still had to get people to take the bags off and, and to uh, go out and flag. And we sort of started this thing where, especially when I was a senior, we, when we didn't have somebody to do it, we would kind of have a plant 
like one of the senior <laughs> members and somebody would, the chairman would be like, hey, you, we need somebody to go flag. And someone would just jump and go, me, and just take it and just go, like, just run out the door with a flag. And so the members <laughs> would be like. With as much Huckleberry Finn enthusiasm <laughs> as possible, you know, inspire other people into thinking that, like, oh, this is actually a cool thing I ought to be doing. And it turns out that works, <laughs> like, super well with yeah. tiny children, too. So yes. uh, we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old now and there are so many lessons that transferred from buggy to parenting it's unbelievable um we joke that i'm the planner of the of the group so i always have everything this isn't a joke this is real she's the <laughs> planner i'm the person who fights and, the fires and, and I, I adapt to whatever and he's the wing it guy yeah we're gonna and, in a situation that we need to resolve it. and to to illustrate that like you know i would i would have like oh who's driving which buggy and, and, you know, I would have it all planned out who was coming and, you know, and then at the last minute, everything would, would fall mm -hmm. apart. And, you know, Alex is the duct tape guy, you know, he's yeah. got, he's like, we can fix this. <laughs> and that is still and then relevant. I'd like go yell at uh, Paul, uh, Paul Desiderio, Kevin Devos and Ben Matsky to, you know, find Jerry, have him run back to the garage, whatever we're missing and fix whatever problem it was. But uh, yeah, very good practice for having children. If uh, any current students are, are thinking of that eventually in their lives, you know, maybe that uh, stressful situation in uh, undergrad will prepare you pretty well. <laughs> and I think too, just to get back a little bit to that 2015 year, and like in some ways, right, it is the the kind of legacy that built out. It is interesting. On that race day, I know Alex, you're saying you you wanted to instill this idea of winning, like. Did you feel it as well with the team or sort of like? I mean, we we time our buggies all the time, right? So we knew we were close, um, but I don't think we recognized how close we were. Yeah, we just, you know, we're trying to practice how we were going to play the game. And I think that made a big difference come race day because we were, we were ready for race day. And a lot of things has to go right on race yeah. day for you to be successful, right? And it kind of came from just at least from the alumni perspective, seeing everybody work together, like everybody was in sync, everybody knew their job and everybody, nobody, nobody was like complaining or saying, oh, well, I don't want to have to put duct tape on the side or whatever, right? Yeah. And as an alum, just watching that, standing with other alums, seeing the time come up with like, ah, I don't know what's going on. Well, somebody turned towards me, I think it was like Dan Pehush or uh, Alex McGuigan or something, he said, all right, so when we were in school, we were, we just pushed for fun. We just didn't care, but now they're winning. I have no idea like what to even think about this right now. We were all freaking out. Yeah, and it was just a lot of getting everybody on the same page, realizing like, yeah, we can do this and this is attainable. Uh, we just all have to be working towards it. And I think when people came to the realization that like, okay, yeah, we think we can do it too, that everybody was willing to put forth the effort to make sure it happened. Yeah. And so everybody's so tight knit and yeah. such a close group. And that really starts with just, you know, being a very friendly group and things that both of both of you have started um, just saying like, hey, you know, we're, we're a community of people that want to have fun and, and be competitive, too, but mostly have fun. You're not doing it right if you're not enjoying what you're doing. Yeah, and so. we we would not have been where we were if it wasn't for you guys, seriously, for sure. Seriously, standing on the shoulders yeah. of giants. It's <laughs> yeah, we're very grateful. I I do. I think at this point, then have to ask, 
what does it mean that you were honorary Alex Mays? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Alex May, would you like to explain the title? Uh, it probably is, is a common thing amongst all teams to have uh, students who are more dedicated to buggy than maybe is sensible, healthy, responsible. Um, and so like I kind of did the masters in buggy, right? But I did get a master's out of it. And I, I finished my undergrad in, in regular time. But uh, yeah, I would spend quite a lot of time in the garage. People are playing the drinking game. I think I have the uh, dubious honor of being one of the three mechanics who have safety like four dropping bar buggies at the concurrently. <laughs> you spend a lot of time working on these things, especially when you have to safety check something like stealth, which has many rivets. You spend a lot of time in the garage, you do homework in there, you, we built our own wheels from scratch. So there were untold hours spent in the garage. And then because I had a girlfriend who was the year below me, it was like, oh, you know, I'm looking for an excuse to uh, stay an extra year in Pittsburgh. And they debuted the one-year master's program um, in robotics at uh, a convenient juncture. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll try and get into that. So that actually worked out really perfectly for timing uh, because then I could stick around for an extra year, but then I also kept doing buggy for another year. <laughs> but then a bunch of people did that after him. And so they wrote the <clears throat> honorary <laughs> Alex May into the bylaws, I believe. It's an appointed position. So it's an appointed <laughs> position by the chairman. Um, and and that, that existed prior to us. So the bylaws that we were handed, um, Is it the Hans the chair, Hans chair yeah. mm -hmm. you had to appoint somebody the Hans chair, you had to appoint somebody the red crate. Red crate. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> and see, we didn't that. know these inside jokes. So I think some of them faded away. But in the spirit of those, we added new ones like the yeah. Alex May. Well, we didn't add that one. Well, the generation after us added that Alex May. So I think it was Ben Matsky was the next Alex May. I think Ben Matsky was um, an Alex May. Okay, yeah. So. And Jerry, uh, Ben, then me, and then Jerry, and, and then me. And yeah, yeah. Alex Miklos. Well, um, right. Alex Miklos is so close to Alex May. I was already Alex M, so I had that going for me. Right. Wait, so is having an extra year part of the criteria or just? The, it was like the resident old person. <laughs> <laughs> the the masters in mechanical engineering that was a, a very thin veil for I would just want to do more buggy. Gotcha. If we go back, Shafiq Cinema Hiding is like the original Alex May chair. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Retroactively by years. <laughs> I actually stayed for a PhD, but actually stepped back from buggies sort of because I didn't want to um, I've been chair for two years. So it wouldn't have been healthy for me to stay in the leadership positions of watch the next year, which was hard. Fair. And then we got married. So then we just brought our dog to well, race day. We also stored buggies at our house. So we did. That. So our garage now, I, I think it has been significantly cleaned up from our time. But when we were in the organization, the garage was just full of memorabilia from previous people. So while we didn't know everybody, we knew a very large portion because of the funny stuff that had been left from those people. 
Brendan and Maria's wedding invitation was in the garage. What? When we inherited the org, there was a mini fridge in the garage and there was a, a can of, I can't remember if it was beer or Mountain Dew that had been like wrapped in duct tape and like it was, I think it was written like don't open until 2005 or something on it. I don't know if it actually got opened, but there was like random stuff in there that nobody had an explanation for. Uh, in addition to all the junk in the garage, we had a lot of stuff stored on the computer, which was called Tilzy, which is for type it like you stole it because we think somebody stole it. Um, so we have to recreate a lot of that history that was on there. Um, but yeah, we just sort of had this time capsule of a garage that we knew the previous people in the organization from. The garage used to have like, like you said, you know, essentially a bunch of trophies for lack of a better term. But like one of them was, uh, there's a whole long story, but we were trying to bend the, the head joint of a, of a bike and you know, put a breaker bar on the end of a vice and managed to break the vice. So like there was like this chunk of vice that flew across the garage at high speeds and was then taped to the wall as a warning to everybody else not to do that. Everybody asked why there's a piece of ice in the wall and then they got the story. Don't break the vice. Like, well, and I think this, this idea of legacy and tradition, I'm sure other organizations have similar ones, but, but I think um, it really goes back to the fact that we all know who Frank and Lou are. Right, and that even after CIA didn't exist for a while, Frank, there was still Frank and Lou. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, Brennan went so far as to buy Lou's house. Uh, the first house that Brennan bought was actually Lou's house over on Neville Street. We lived there for 12 years and, and you know, there's still this connection and that they always come and that on race day, you can be sure you'll see Frank and Lou. We all keep a chunk of the history of the organization, but there's a longer through line because there's some contact with these different generations hmm. of members who have done all these crazy things together. <laughs> yeah, I think it always is interesting to track sort of the different lineages and definitely like every team has its own you know different history and traditions and i think there's i see sort of like we obviously were not never in a position to really compete but it feels like there's sort of elements of the the, the carried through like when we were doing it, it was basically you know do whatever you have to do like well the worst example and the one reason that i hate hollywood is that there was one time when we didn't have enough roles for, uh, for our driver so we really needed to, to roll that weekend but uh, Saturday rolls got canceled because there was a little bit, of, there was some snow on, snow and ice on the course. And they were filming, I think it was Wonder Boys at CMU. Mm -hmm. So, and there, so there were these, you know, power distribution trucks and everything parked all over the course. Um, but there was still snow and ice on the course. So they canceled on Saturday. Uh, we really needed the rolls. So at this point, I think the whole team was like nine people, something like that. And we still, we went around campus and we stole a bunch of salt uh, and we threw it in the back of Fred Hopke's car. And we, we drove around the course and like, hand shoveled salt all over everything to melt everything. And we had had the promise that Wonder Boys would move all of their st stuff. Like they had a power distribution truck that was parked uh, in the second transition um, across a, it was like, if you wanted to park, pick an illegal spot to park, it was it. Cause it was blocking a fire hydrant in front of a stop sign across the stop, uh, like a crosswalk and like in a no parking zone. So like it was as legal, illegal as you could get. So we spent basically all Saturday salting the course cause we needed the dang rolls. Um, and then, you know, they said they were going to move their stuff and they didn't. And we called them like at over the course of the evening leading me up. And then all morning, the overall buggy chair was calling, couldn't move it. And then we couldn't find a tow truck because big, the power distribution semi was basically a semi full of generators. It was too heavy. 
tow truck that was strong enough to move the bloody thing. So we did everything we could, didn't get the rolls, but that's sort of the, like you do whatever you have to. I will say that that uh, doing what you have to definitely hadn't left CIA. I won't say who, and I won't say what we did, but, uh, or who did it, but uh, potholes were a big problem. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> One deep word of advice to anybody who's listening is you do need to leave sufficient time for things you do to a pothole to dry. Yes, you do. That's just life lessons. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> this has been awesome. Um, any other major stories? There's one, but it really requires the video. Uh, there was one year that uh, Michelle Unger passed in the shoot that was a little nuts. One of the things about the Freeman shells is that they were very heavy. And so a lot of times, even if we were not the first to the top of the hill, we would be cutting it very close by the time we got to the bottom of the hill. So one of the things that even when we were in charge of the organization, one of the things that we were very adamant about was that we could outdrive other organizations, that we were very proud of that. Yeah. Um, you know, our even back in the 80s, you know, our our driver was the 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 record that stood for so many years, the spirit record. That driver was a CIA driver. They recruited her out of CIA. So we kind of felt like we had this legacy. And so if you look back at the video footage, CIA passes on a given year, there's a, usually at least one pass in the shoot. And we really pride ourselves on that. And that's something we practice. You know, we, we pass ourselves. Um, I think our year we used pass tests a little bit too liberally, and, but then <laughs> they would, they put a stop to that. There's all kinds of crazy passing in the shoot stories, usually successful ones um, because yeah. we try really hard for that. And I always yeah. get a thrill out of looking at the old videos where a buggy with a bar that's dropped is just cruising around on the inside and passing, uh, passing another buggy that's you know just kind of fishtailing around. Does it? Does the bar come back up? Uh, you know, <laughs> we'll get the thrill. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing quite like on hill three pushing a bar that came up that didn't latch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember my very first race day, uh, 2011. Um, I was on CIA B, which I guess that shows the quality of the pushers back then that I was on the B team, but we were racing, I forget who, the, we were the third into the sheet, but the first two people had crashed. One hit a hay bale, one kind of spun and then hit the other hay bale. And our driver, I believe it was Emma and Firebird, she did a little S turn through the chute and push bar popped right back up. So that was that was really cool. Um, I couldn't see you. I was on Hill 5, but I heard all the shouting and everything. And uh, I only saw our buggy come up the hill. I was like, oh, all right, cool. I guess this is happening. <laughs> that was a fun first race day. One of my proud moments sort of, as the years went on was my steady demotion in, in teams. Like I pushed A team the first year because uh, didn't have a choice. And then it was B team, then it was C team. Like, the further down I went, the better we were overall. And the fact that we had enough teams that made to push me down was great. For sure. Yeah. I don't think I can crack the D team now. Actually, I came back to push as an alum during rolls and I threw out my back on hill four and Alex was chair. So of course she's doing chair stuff and I'm uh, inside of Baker Hall or something lying on the ground 
And everyone's like, Alex was like, have anyone seen Kellen? He, he pushed and didn't come back. I was like, yeah, he's on the floor. He's in Baker. Um, you should go get him. So she has to drive and come pick me up. Yeah, I had to wait till rolls were over and then take the car to go get him. Yeah. Like, just curious, like, what was that recruitment sort of like? And like, how did you manage to kind of like so quickly kind of upgrade the quality of pushers you, you had on the team? It was a lot of, um, we would have like, uh, Hannah Linus was one where she's on the soccer team, she's an athlete, and then she knows other people and are like, hey, come join our team. So she was already in CIA and then we were just adding to our arsenal of pushers. Mm -hmm. So we would hopefully find some one person that we could get to join CIA and then branch into their friends, into their sports team. So that was... That was how we kind of pulled in more athletes. Mm -hmm. And I think concurrently, just the technology just kept getting better and better mm -hmm. and building on what prior learnings and really passing it on to the next classes. I think that also helped a lot too, just the, the big advancements in technology. Yeah. And at the same time, still like trying to keep our quirkiness. We just tried <laughs> to make sure we never lost that with all our appointed positions and uh, crazy events that we would do throughout the year. Well, cool. Um, so yeah, obviously you all met your spouses, so congratulations. <laughs> um, but beyond that, I guess you were talking kind of stuff with parenting, but any reflections y'all have there interested to have? At least as mechanical engineers, it's probably the best co-op slash internship that you can possibly do. You're getting hands-on experience, you're building stuff, you're failing a lot and learning from that, building on that, um, getting to do hands-on carbon fiber layups. And that really started an interest for me and, and just grew from there. So now in a job interview, I might say, oh yeah, I have carbon fiber layup experience or, oh yeah, we worked on this thing in SolidWorks. Here's how we put it all together and did all that. It's not something that you really get during the normal coursework at CMU. So it's a great project to do. It's really fun sharing that history together. So one of the things that Alex and I remark on all the time was we were so glad we met each other so early because now, even if we just kind of check in with the buggy community a couple times a year, CIA is really good about sending emails and stuff, um, updating the alumni, but we always get, well, unless there's a pandemic, we always get to have a weekend in April where we get to go back to Carnegie Mellon and we get to experience the races. And it's been really special you know, we've taken our older daughter, our, our younger daughter was born right before the pandemic, so she hasn't gone yet, but it's really special to take another person, you know, this tiny little person who's never seen like a college before and to bring her into that part of our lives that existed a long time before she was born um, in our relationship. And I think that's something to really treasure and uh, the one thing we want to avoid is we don't want to pressure our kids to go to <laughs> We don't want to be like, this is your legacy. You need to fulfill it. I don't think um, we're rich enough for that. There's <laughs> <laughs> not going to be like a, a May Foundation library or anything. Um, <laughs> 18 years to be subtle about it. But yeah. I, but, I, uh, I think also in a practical sense, you know, Alex and I spent a portion of our careers actually working on the same team. And you wouldn't think that um, I have a PhD in chemistry and um, he's mechanical engineering and robotics, but we had an opportunity where we worked together and it was a high stakes environment. 
And it was interesting because our colleagues knew that we would communicate with each other flawlessly. So they could tell me something and I would communicate it to Alex. Alex could tell, they could tell Alex something and he would communicate it to me. And so professionally, it was also an advantage for us because we had learned to work together without getting in a spat in the car on the way to work and then that affecting our whole work day. We kind of had work mode and we had relationship mode and we could switch them on and off. I guess I learned a lot about believing that things are possible, even if the date doesn't look like they should be necessarily. And that, you know, if you work hard, hard enough on something that you can usually make it happen. So more, more prosaically, at least for me, that was my introduction to management in terms of like convincing, you know, 20 college age students that they really wanted to get up before the crack of dawn and then actually making them do it and trying to, you know, organize everything and everybody. And, you know, I've since, you know, I'm, I'm now running an R&D group and stuff. So like, those are lessons that helped me sort of get, get on that path and, and have, you know, stood me in good stead. I've used some of the, those random tricks that, you know, that you learn over time throughout my career. So, yeah, I think you learn a lot about sort of team and personal dynamics, what motivate people, what doesn't motivate people. On the mechanic side, you learn a lot about sort of estimating how long things should take. Because the, the old buggy adage, at least when we were doing it, was if you think it's going to take a day, you need to up the, the units of measure and double it. So one day is actually more like two weeks. And for buggy, that was pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, you know, the, the constants change, but the same idea ho often holds that it's easy to, to underestimate work. But uh, if, think it, if, you, you know, if you plan it well, uh, you can you plan for you know, the overages and the failures, which you had to do for buggy because if you, uh, you know, didn't, then you weren't going to be ready for race day. You weren't going to have the buggy you know, on the course in time to, to qualify. So I think there was a lot learned there. And I think Maria and I worked really well together because the pushers were sort of a second or sort of an afterthought at first, because it was like, we need to make the buggy roll. And then I guess we need people to push it. And, you know, Maria helped get things organized there and actually, you know, start timing people. And trying to be, you know, a little bit systematic about it, you know, that was really helpful to the buggy side of things. And I think we learned a lot about communication in the process because we had different sort of areas of responsibility and things that we were focused on, and being able to communicate those without, you know, always, you know, your thing being the most important thing is an important skill to have. Yeah, and I would say, we, you know, we worked together during buggy, and then in 2013 when I said, hey, let's start a let's start a performing arts non nonprofit, let's start an opera company. We were, I think, able to tap into that, the like, you do what you have to do mentality, the, um, you know, so, and so in, at Carnegie Mellon, you have your work for your degree, and then you have Buggy as the side thing. Well, now Brennan has a full-time job, and then his second job. <laughs> And instead of building buggies, we're, we're building sets and we're, you know, doing, uh, we're applying a lot of those skills to a completely different context. But I think, you know, we can trace that back. So, yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot that people have learned to buggy over years. A lot of, if nothing else, perseverance, um, at least, you know, in our era, like that's, that's all we have, <laughs> as it were, is, you know, but also the joy of it. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. So I really appreciate y'all spending your evening with us. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see everybody at Race Day 2022.
And that race day 2022 cannot come soon enough. Uh, that being said, huge shout out to this year's sweepstakes chairs. Uh, talked to them a couple weeks ago. If you haven't listened to that episode, uh, would recommend going back and listening uh, just to hear everything they had to do to be able to get to roll this year. And uh, cherry on top is they had a very nice, safe race day, if you will, this week, uh, which is really a pretty monumental achievement, uh, especially considering everything they had to work through. So awesome to see that. Congrats and thank you to them. Uh, and thank you to all my guests this week. Uh, really love these types of episodes. You know, I talk a lot about buggy culture and I feel like CAIA has one of just the strongest, most well-rounded, exciting cultures that really helped define the sport. So it was great to just dive into that a bit. Thank you for listening. Uh, as always, if you have feedback, thoughts on the episode or ideas for future episodes, chime in in our Discord, cmubuggy.org slash chat, and uh, let us know your feelings there. Just a couple more episodes this season, so we'll be tapering off quickly. Uh, but I think we'll probably do this again in the future. I don't know. I'm having fun with it. Uh, hopefully you're having fun with it as well. Uh, big thank you to Rachel Schmidt for producing, uh, which just to be clear involves a lot, a lot, a lot of the behind the scenes work, the editing, the coordinating with the guests. This really does not happen without her. So if you like this podcast, uh, give her a big old thank you. Uh, Buggy Alumni Association as well for all their support. Um, like I said, just a couple episodes left, maybe one, maybe two, who knows the future is uncertain as always. I think we're going to be talking to CMUEMS next week and their role in buggy. So that'll be a fun one. Uh, talk to you then. Until then, uh, this has been another episode of Shoot the Shit.